Welcome to St. James Lutheran Church and School right here in the heart of Chicago. I pray that you find hope and peace in the message of Christ and Him crucified for you in your life right now. Thank you for listening. And please, if you'd like to support the mission going on right here, uh, please go to our webpage, stjames-lutheran.org to donate. Thank you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. That's the last thing Jesus says, Matthew writes in his gospel, dies, rises, commissions his uh, church, his whole people, not individuals, the whole people to go forward, make disciples. The last thing he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Do you believe that in your life as a church? Is he really with us? Does it make a difference if that was actually true, that Jesus is with us? That's the promise he gives, the last thing he says. And I would say his whole time with his disciples is about practicing that reality and that faith, rehearsing it. And you see that throughout all these episodes in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus sort of practicing with his disciples to get used to trusting that he is where he says he is. And you can trust him, right? This past, uh, this past uh, Friday, I got to enjoy my dad's 80th birthday party and help get ready for it and all that sort of stuff. And and what a blast, And uh, which is funny because yesterday I went to Chris Kelly and Elizabeth Kelly's 40th birthday party. The parties were very different. It was interesting. So anyhow, <laughs> totally different. That's not true. We had a good time at my dad's, but they had a lot of their friends and uh, family members coming in. And you know, um, lo, I'm with you always until the end of the age, um, as I see this panoply of, of people that were always in my life, friends of the family, you know what I mean, that my parents hung out with, and they're getting older. Um, and, you know, I wonder, it makes you kind of insecure, the people that are with me. You know, when you're like 7 or 10, your parents are always there. That gives you a sense of safety, doesn't it? They're there. They're going to be there. You almost believe like nothing could happen, right? And you feel safe and you feel secure. Lord, I am with you always to the end of the age. And as you get older, you see that we can't make those promises. And then now I know my parents didn't have everybody there at the party. They saw, said goodbye to their parents before that. The insecure feeling when certain people aren't there or, or when you see those people that were so strong in your life not so strong anymore. Lo, I am with you to the end of the age. Jesus says he is with you. Anything else is nice and beautiful and God blesses, but they don't make us feel as secure that Jesus promised that he's with us. That should make you feel confident. Nothing will stop him from being with you. 
And we see that in today's lesson. In chapter 14 of Matthew, Jesus rehearses practices with his disciples to trust him. Matthew tells us uh, this. He says, uh, after the feeding of the 5,000, and by the way, the feeding of the 5,000 is kind of a practice too, right? Jesus uh, was teaching all day, and uh, it, gets during, it gets toward the end of the day, and uh, the disciples think they have a lot of compassion. And so they tell Jesus, hey, send everybody back home to buy their own food. If you really care for them, tell them to go away, right, and take care of themselves because it's getting late and it's dangerous to be out late in first century Palestine in between cities. But Jesus has even more compassion, and he trains them. He says, well, you feed them. What are you talking about, right? And then he gives the two fish and five loaves, and he multiplies it, and they indeed feed it. And they learn to trust if Jesus is with you, things can happen. After this feeding, Jesus tells them in chapter 14, verses, uh, it's too small, can't see it without my glasses, 25 or whatever, what is it? Jesus tells them, hey, get in the boat and cross over to the other side. I'll dismiss the crowd. Isn't that interesting? Think about this. No words are by chance in, in the Gospels. When you're reading, nothing's by chance. So Jesus immediately, he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side. This is uh, a real thing. It's really happening in the lake, uh, in, in the, the Sea of Galilee. But uh, when you're in Kentucky, and you talk about the other side, the other shore, what's that? Have you ever been to Kentucky before? Listen to bluegrass? That is the heavenly shores. And we're in a boat, and we're going across the waves, across the sea together to the other side. If you are in Tennessee or Kentucky, you know I'm talking about life and going to heaven. And I would say there's something in this too. Get in the boat, Jesus says. You're going across the lake to the other side. And then what does Jesus say here? He then dismisses the crowds. And you know what he probably said? He might have said something like, Lord, bless and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you when he dismissed them. Very likely, actually. It's a traditional blessing that we say that goes back to the Old Testament. And they left. And then after he had dismissed them, he goes up on the mountain by himself to pray. So the, the, the church, the disciples are in the boat, in the lake. Jesus is alone. And he goes up on a mountain to pray. And, and, Matthew, says, and Matthew says this very specifically. He went up on the mountain by himself. So he says this, by himself. He makes a point of telling us this to pray. When evening came, Matthew says this again, he was there alone. What do you think about that? I don't think that's by chance. Remember, we're practicing things in the gospel lessons here. What is he practicing? Behind us, we have this beautiful picture that is mentioned in Wikipedia as an example of the famous Kinsella windows of St. James, by the way. And we, we, when we get rid of that organ, you're going to see it. What is it? It's a picture of Jesus up on a mountain, and he's praying before what? Before he's arrested, before he goes up another mountain 
and dies. Jesus alone. I've got this, Jesus says. I'll dismiss. I'm going to go up to the top of the mountain by myself. He sends them off. I want you to keep that in the back of your head. This repeated story that we're going to see repeated later on in a much bigger way, aren't we, right? So it goes on. Um, But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. Now, it doesn't say that the disciples are scared right now. They're not crying out, but definitely there is a struggle. And this is really happening, but also, you're in the boat Jesus told you to get into. Things don't go smoothly. The wind, it's hard. It's hard to row. You feel like you're not getting anywhere. Is this your life sometimes? You're in the boat Jesus said to get into. You're in St. James. Not everything goes well. You sin, you screw up, you struggle with something. Someone sins against you. You watch your parents age. You're facing death. You're afraid of the world. The church isn't accepted. All these challenges of this journey across this windy lake to the other shore. You feel this sometimes? Do you feel like you're rowing and not going anywhere? Do you feel like your life is going against the wind or the wind is against you? Do you feel like God is not with you sometimes? I certainly do. What does Matthew say? Jesus does this. Verse 20. <laughs> I don't know. I can't, literally can't read the verses. And <laughs> he says this, though. In the fourth watch of the night. What's the fourth watch? Anybody know? The Romans and the Jews split up their nights, the Greco-Roman world, into four watches beginning with sunset, three hours apiece. The fourth watch of the night is morning. So they've been struggling since evening. And who's coming in the morning? Jesus. Everything good comes in the morning. You know what? Mornings are rehearsal of the resurrection. Mornings are rehearsal of the resurrection. No matter what's going on in your life, that sun is coming up. No matter what your struggles are, that sun is coming up. Learn that, to trust that. And that points us to not just the sun's coming up in the morning, but Jesus is coming. And sure enough, Matthew says, in the morning, the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. They didn't go to him. He came to them walking on the sea. Better than the U.S. post office. Nothing stopping Jesus from coming to them. Lo, I am with you to the end of the age. He's not joking. He's not lying about this. It's not your parents telling you this when you're young and you got to believe him, and you do believe him for a while. But Jesus says this and can do it. And so he comes to them in the morning. We're going to hit this later, but come on. 
alone on a mountain at night, comes in the morning to save. What rehearsal are they learning when Jesus says, I'm with you always there, learning this is true even in the middle of the lake, unreachable. There is Jesus. And if you think that's awesome, in a little bit long, a little a couple more days, we're going to see Jesus up high on a mountain by himself on a cross. And a dark night for a couple days, as if all hope is lost. And in the morning, he comes. Forget the sea, walking on water rises from the dead. Lo, I am with you always to the end of the age. Believe it. So Jesus comes to them, and uh, we're not told the disciples are afraid of the storm. This is very interesting. Think about this, and tell me what you think about it actually later. I'm still kind of uh, chewing on this. They're not scared of the storm, we're told. It's a struggle. But Jesus comes walking up, and they were terrified, (laughs) and they say, it's a ghost. When's the next time they say that about this Jesus? When they see something crazy happen, right? It's a ghost, and they cried out in fear. So they're not scared of the storm, all of us, but they're scared of Jesus. They're scared of this amazing act. It's so incredible, and I sometimes wonder, are we more scared of the ghost of God than no God? This is frightening to them. What do you do with this? And let's be honest, you're rowing hard, it's already difficult enough, and now it's like, what the heck is that? (laughs) Maybe that would be scary, because it's so insane. Although maybe it is insane to live in the world Jesus is putting us in where sins are forgiven. That's crazy. That you literally are let go of everything, that God has forgotten it. That might be something that should scare you, how insane that is to live. The the Israelites were so scared of freedom, they wanted to go back to Egypt. Good things can be scary, because they're so unbelievable. We've never lived in that world. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe resurrections are even scary. They certainly were, weren't they? If you look at all the resurrection accounts, there's a lot of fear (laughs) because it's insane. Are you afraid to live in that world of freedom and forgiveness and resurrection? And Jesus is with you always. It's weird, but we are. Peter sees this, or I'm sorry, they yell us out, it's a ghost. (laughs) And Jesus, maybe before he gets harpooned, Uh, Immediately, Jesus speaks and says, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, that should have been enough. See, they're practicing. And this is their first or second practice, so they don't need to all get it. That should have been enough. I am with you. I can walk on the water. I can rise from the dead. If I say I'm with you, I am with you. Do not be afraid. His words should be enough. This is my body. This is my blood. That is enough. Do not be afraid. You are forgiven. God is with you. You don't need to be afraid of God. 
Maybe that's what they're afraid of. Because God usually is full of wrath and he's angry and all the religions, you are pleasing God. You are praying five times a day. You are kneeling down to make God happy. And Jesus says, it's I. Don't be, you don't need to be afraid, not of the wind of the waves, but of me. Peter doesn't believe Jesus. Peter is in no way right now an example of faith. Throw out all those ridiculous sermons you've heard about you got to get out of the boat like Peter to really be a Christian. Wrong. Peter doesn't believe Jesus. And so Peter needs more. Does that sound like someone who is full of faith? And so Peter comes up with his own dream vision of what the Christian life looks like. And he needs to have it confirmed in order to believe in this Jesus. Think about this. And uh, Peter says, Lord, if it is you, you know, like the devil said in the wilderness, right? If you really are the Son of God, right, do some amazing miracle. So Peter, like Satan, says, if it's you, tell me to come out on the boat. Let's do something really cool. And I love Jesus. I think he's sort of like, I'm really excited to see this. <laughs> let's go. And so Jesus says, yeah, let's do it. Come on out. And uh, Matthew tells us that uh, Peter got out of the boat in disbelief. I can't say this enough. He leaves as an unbeliever. And you're going to see in a second how he becomes a believer. When he saw, he walks on the water and he comes to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cries out what? Lord, save me. When you listen to this story, never say, oh, Peter's a good example of faith when he walked out of the boat. Jesus did not tell Peter to walk. That was not Jesus' idea. That was Peter's wish dream of his, of his fantasy of what the Christian life looks like. Peter is a fantastic example of faith when he's drowning. Because it's there that Mr. Peter realized what faith looks like. Without choice, in total desperation, he is forced to say something of full belief, Lord, save me. That's when you learn to be a believer, not when you're on top of the water. This is a good quote, actually. That's when you learn to be a believer, not when you're walking on water, but when you're drowning. And I'll bet you could say that about your life, too. And I'll bet that's the time that you are actually thankful to God, not when he got you doing something cool, but when you are drowning in guilt, in shame, in fear. Lord, save me, because you have nowhere else to go, because you've learned you can't save yourself like the thief on the cross. And there you look over, and there's Jesus. And Matthew says, immediately he picked up his hand, and there we saw Jesus I am with you even until the end of the age. And Peter learned that at the end of his rope. And what does Matthew say? He put him back in the boat where human beings belong. And when he does this, the disciples all said, Oh my, I don't know what they said, God, Jesus. Surely this is the Son of God. 
Lo, I am with you always. Jesus is with you always. He is in your boat, even though sometimes it doesn't feel like it, and nothing can stop it. Your sins, your fears, and as Jesus shows us in the final practice, when Jesus dies for you, for Peter, for me, and rises again, he teaches us that in the morning, nothing is going to stop Jesus from coming through, and it might feel like a night. And it might feel like a long night. And you might have some tears. And you might have some insecurities. But he will come in the morning, just like he rose again. And one day he's going to reach down, not into the waters, but into your grave in the morning like today and lift you up in the resurrection. It is I. Do not be afraid. In Jesus' name, amen.